Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Junior Funners, episode 47-ish, I think. I, think I wrote it's... it down before we started, but I think it is, yeah. I love... Um, I don't, I, even I don't know. Oh. Ah, you know, been in the game as long as we have. It's, uh, you know, numbers, numbers is just a, it's a, it's a, it's a numbers game, you know? Anyway, uh, yeah, we're Junior Funners and it's a podcast and you're listening to it now and we thank you and welcome. And it's, uh, and it's, you're listening to Ollie. I'm Ollie. Hello. And you're also listening to Lawrence. Uh, um, it's episode 47. Yes, Ollie. It's episode 47, yeah. listeners. Yo. Fantastic. We made it. Um, I think we are coming up to, well, technically two years of the podcast, aren't we? I think we're in a couple of months, maybe, yeah. in May. Yeah, something like that. <clears throat> Obviously, there's some gaps there. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't really, yeah, we definitely haven't recorded two years worth of the podcast, but we've been doing it for, for two years. Um, but yeah, it's a podcast where we talk about Arsenal and that, um, you know, the, and that part kind of is a very broad umbrella that incorporates whatever the hell we feel like. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about Arsenal and uh, we're going to do that now with our first segment, Arsenal News. whoop it's uh we've had a good week in spite of our best efforts i would say summing it up uh, you know given our propensity for getting in our own way which we did plenty of we've come out of it with a couple of positive results is that fair to say yeah it's uh, it's weird i'm having a i like having a nice week uh, to record where it's not doom and gloom uh we fight yes it's it's uh, it's nice to uh, be a bit more positive. Yeah, yeah. All, Makes a change. All that yeah. stuff you said the week before. Ah, so uh, water under the bridge now. It's all, uh, we're all friends now. <laughs> yep. Didn't mean any of William, it. William, yep. you know you're Didn't all right. You're all, all right. Uh, I'll tell you, yeah, you're all right. Yeah. David Louise, yep. also forgiven. Yeah, Pepe, David Louise. Yeah, among among our best players, clearly. Uh, but yeah, we so. When we last recorded, I think we were coming off of the back of the uh, the Man City defeat. Um, we then went into the second leg of our uh, Europa League tie against Benfica. And as I said, it, it, it looked as though we were going to sort of trip ourselves up. It, like that meme of the, uh, the person riding their bike and then they jammed the stick in the spokes. Uh, you know, that's that's Arsenal doing an Arsenal. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it we started out the match with uh, a... Let's have a look. It was... Yeah, so uh, Aubameyang uh, scored on, on 21 minutes. We were pretty much in control for the vast majority of the first half, I would say, um, having watched the match. Did you, did you watch it or not? No, because uh, I've taken a vow now. I'm not going to watch because when I have... As we all know, we haven't uh, won, so I decided to. I'm not. I'm not mm. So far, it's working. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so until it stops working, um, yeah, you, you'll probably be watching again soon. 
Well, or if you start watching again soon, it's your fault. It's your fault yeah. if you start losing. I think everything's about me. I'm the center of the universe, and uh, if something happens, it's yes. probably because of me somehow. Uh, mostly Arsenal. It's it's a it's a it's a real kind of Truman Show situation here, where you are responsible I, um, for. I'm the main character. Just everything. I'm the main character of, yes. of life. I mean, started off well. Everything around you exists, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Started off well. I mean, Sacco was uh, our son. A uh, nice threaded pass to Aubameyang. It was a nice pass. That's what I want to see. That's the kind of pass I want to see. Uh, like a nice uh, threaded yeah. pass <laughs> for a change into those into those half spaces in between the defence. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I want to see. That's what all the top teams do. You see City do it all the time. But yeah, it's um, mm-hmm. it felt like... Same old Arsenal. Sometimes it was just like, uh, well, the the only one maybe who's in the bad books is would be maybe Danny Ceballos, who um, had it. for that match specifically. Yes, I mean, as I said, we went one nil up and we were in control for pretty much all of the first half, but we didn't capitalize on it. It was still only one nil, and then. Danny Ceballos gave away a stupid free kick, a, a, an unnecessary free kick that he didn't have to give. I mean, Danny Ceballos, I would say, has been one of the more reliable players this season. In a, in a season full of ups and downs and players that have been more reliable than others, I would say he's been one of the good ones, broadly speaking. You know, I, I'd probably rate him about a seven and a half out of ten, maybe an eight out of ten over the over the course of the season, up until that game. Um, I don't know. Would he? I, would you agree with well, that? Or? I would say maybe the problem is we haven't seen him like a whole lot because Arteta's sort of gone with either Party, Xhaka or Elneny most of the time. So it's it's kind of been hard to judge. I mean, he had a few, he's got a bit of, you know, flair about him sometimes, but um, mm. I don't know whether it's just because Arteta wants a bit more of a physical type in midfield, whether it's because he thinks Spios is a bit too um, light weighted or you know not physical enough but um yeah i don't know because he, he does get stuck in he does do yeah. the work um he's very good at winning the ball back but it was a bit of a, uh, just, I, a bit, just a howler i don't i don't if if i see yeah if i see him on the team sheet starting a match or if i see him about to come on as a sub i don't immediately start to feel you know panicked or dread you know, hmm. <laughs> or, you know, dread in the pit of my stomach, unlike some players. Um, but yeah, he, he made a, a real boo-boo there, giving away a free kick just uh, outside the penalty area, right near the end of the first half that he didn't need to. And uh, yeah, Benfica scored it. It was a, a very well-taken free kick by uh, Gonzalez. And that was kind of same old Arsenal, as you were saying, you know, we went in at halftime, one all, uh, having been in control, but with nothing to show for it. And then when we get into the second half, Danny Ceballos once again makes a, a, a very silly error just by, I'm, I'm not sure what his thinking was, but he just did, played a very kind of soft header back yeah. towards Bernd Leno, but it was never going to reach him. Or any of the other, you know, defenders around him, and it just meant it. It, it was it basically it was though he was just nodding it on for the, you know, for the Benfica player to, uh, yeah, Silver to just go and score and make it two one, and then seemingly end the tie really because that it, at that point 
it really did look as though the wheels had come off and it was game over for Arsenal. It was very, you know, very familiar feelings to the um, Olympiacos tie last season. Yeah, I don't know whether, whether that was a communication or whether um, it's just uh, a brain fart like you do. Uh, <laughs> just hope footballers um, have more brain farts than others. And uh, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, some very windy brains in the uh, in the Arsenal in think, the Arsenal team. I think after that, having um, Arteta took him off and he brought on party, didn't he? And then yeah, that being the the second kind of costly mistake in a row. It was about the, it was just just after the hour mark there, so. Arteta took off Ceballos, I think, before he could do any more damage, frankly. Um, yeah, brought on, I think he brought on party for him. Um, and we, I, you know, the players that have been making the difference for us in games where we've played well really came through for us. You know, Kieran Tierney has always been, even the games where we've been playing absolute dog shit, he's always sort of tried to push the team forward and play positively. Um, and we, at a time when we really, really needed it, he came through for us, scored an absolutely, a, a brilliant individual goal um, yeah. with an assist from Willian of all people. You yeah. know, I mean, I, technically it's an assist. I mean, it, it, Tierney did pretty much all the work, but yeah, the pass, the pass through to, uh, to Tierney for him to sort of get into the position to take the shot came from Willian. But yeah, that was, that was a kind of, another turning point in a match full of turning points for Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so whether um, Arteta's done some good uh, individuals, maybe taking him aside and uh, try to um, make him turn him more into that kind of, um, he's not going to have that much mobility to try and, I don't know, players around him to try and get into those areas so that he could just, just make a simple pass. I don't know. And, um, yeah, worked it worked out for. He's been getting a couple of assists now. Hopefully, he can uh, carry this on. Um, you know, was, this is Willian you're talking. Yeah, Willian, not Tierney. Yeah. Not Tierney. Yeah. yeah, but Tierney. I'm nothing. No, no criticism. Nothing to worry about with him. No, no he's he's, yeah. he's one of the few. He's been really good. He's him and Saka have probably been, um, you know, the two standout players this season. And yeah, it was, I'd say yeah, players of the season by. By quite some distance, yeah, so far, definitely. Just, you know, I know I want to see more players trying to, you know, take games by the scruff of the neck a bit more and, you know, make things happen. And uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll come on to the you know the Leicester game in a moment, but yeah, there was there was definitely more of that. Uh, and then yeah, with with the game nearing an end, again, you know, similar to the first half, we were in control, we were huffing and puffing pushing for that uh, for that third goal because otherwise it would it would have meant going out on away goals again which is something that Arsenal absolutely love to do it's like our favorite thing is to, yeah. to go out of Europe on away goals um so yeah with the aggregate at, at the three all with Benfica having the uh, the yeah the the bigger number of away goals even though as we discussed last week um Arsenal weren't actually playing at home we were playing in Athens uh but yeah Saka and Aubameyang combined once again uh, brilliantly to yeah. uh, to get the to get the the uh, the the winner there, and it, you know a, just a a phenomenal kind of it, it. The the cross from Saka was very much sort of the 
type of thing we've been expecting Pepe to do, I would say. Uh, but he, but Saka just kind of did it. He, he just makes it look so easy, you know. He's, he just makes it look so effortless. Yeah. Um, just floating, floating in a ball like that to find a Bamiyang at the back post, um, and then yeah, Bamiyang did the rest, and it, it was that kind of uh, definitely settled quite a few. I think that you know that that settled quite a few nerves, kind of smoothed over a lot of uh, heartburn. I think for a lot of Arsenal fans, you know, a lot of acid reflux and stress uh, that would have been caused otherwise yeah. because I mean it, as a lot of people were saying you know a lot of sort of pundits and so-called experts uh, were saying that would have been pretty much the end of Arsenal's season wouldn't it yeah. going out of the, the Europa League yeah it's um, again it's, 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 what, it's what I was just saying just now is it's, you need a, someone who I want to you know, take control and just it was nice to see a yeah. player pass again, like I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, into into those areas and just taking a risk. And, and it's just like... As Jermaine James would say, into an area. Area. Um, off the pitch. Into yeah. an area. And um, um, it, yeah. it's, it's not complicated. I mean, come on. But hopefully Arteta, <laughs> Arteta is, is hopefully he's probably still laying on a job, probably. And, uh, you know... Uh, Hopefully, this all this this good form, this confidence, it helps. You know, it's it's, it's just a little bit the, the the train trains up and running again, sort of. It's just yeah. Along the, again. I I mean, you're I mean, you're exactly right in what you're saying about having uh, having proper game changers. You know, having players that can influence the outcome of a game that do it when you really need them to yeah. makes all the difference. I mean, it, it, the the fact that you know. It's it, as we were just saying. I mean, it's not a coincidence that this result was pretty much down to to Saka and Tierney in in different ways. Mm. You know, this this huge result of us kind of you know pushing through and getting through to the the next round of the Europa League um, came from like the two kind of brightest sparks in the team, um, and it's also it also helps that you know the captain is is showing up once again you know Aubameyang's back amongst the goals he's looking much more like he did yeah <laughs> before he signed the contract uh to stay at the club but yeah it 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 really it does just make it so much less stressful and so much uh less anxiety inducing to to watch Arsenal play like i said it it's they're still capable of making these mistakes it it, it doesn't it doesn't solve everything but knowing that there are some like proper game-changing players in the squad that we can that we can use, um, just makes the whole thing so much better to watch. Yeah, um, it was it's about seven goals in seven games or so now for Aubameyang. Is what I've read. So yeah, it's a goal goal a game. I think yeah, in all competitions. Yeah, he's yeah. That's what. Yeah, maybe I don't know what was been going on, but he's had a lot of personal stuff, so um, maybe that's not helped. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, obviously that's, it, it's, yeah, all the stuff that's going on off the pitch with his family and that, that's bound to have an effect. Um, but yeah, just good to see him clearly enjoying his football. You know, you could tell like the the way he celebrated his goals, you know, kind of just immediately kind of pointing and, and you know, pointing over to Saka and hugging him. He's, he's just grateful to have someone providing him the type of service that he needs to to get the goals so it, it's 
it's good. It's good to see that kind of just, it just so nice when all that stuff clicks, you know, because when it doesn't, we have weeks like we had last week where everything, everything looks so much worse because it doesn't come off. But when it does come yeah. off, oh man, you know, yeah, ain't nothing like it. Thing is, these these guys need to believe. I believe in these boys. Mm. You know, I need. We need to believe. You know, look, you know, exactly. Everyone, everyone. Nobody apart from Man City is doing particularly well, right? Well, you know, no one's doing particularly great. Everyone either, you know, wins a couple, then loses a couple. You know, we need we need to take advantage. Ah, it's, it's, yes, it's everyone's dropping points at the moment. I mean, this this week in particular. I mean, it. it you know, well, we might as well talk about the the Leicester match at this this weekend just gone. So. That's a perfect example. I mean, I feel bad for Leicester uh, just because of the sheer number of injuries that they've had to deal with uh, and continue to have to deal with. I mean, it's, they're not the only team that are going through something like that, but I hope it doesn't end up costing them uh, in the way that it did last season, you know, where they, they dropped out of the Champions League places on the last day of the season, because I, I would like to see them in, in the Champions League. I think they've 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 earned it, but... At the moment, yeah, their squad has been hit so hard by by so many injuries, um, and it means yeah, it's, it's it's costing them points, you know. Like so, we went into that match with a a, a very a vastly changed lineup. Uh, I think Arteta made six changes to the team that started against Benfica, and I don't know what your reaction was, but when I saw the names on on that starting yeah. eleven, I didn't feel so good <laughs> I, I i felt like this was kind of like our negativity kind of he's just trying to maybe play for a draw maybe he's just gonna try and you know, yeah sit sit on a low block or something play on the counter but um yeah, from what i saw in the game part well apart from the first goal which was just kind of a you know the problem with um our fullbacks when you push them on and then when uh, Xhaka loses the ball, he's sort of daddling on the ball and loses it, and then that's what happens. But uh, just the uh, other than that, um, I felt you know we pressed Leicester, we kept a positive attitude throughout the game. We got players in the box, and it's nice, good passing, good movement. You know, it's it's looking good again. And uh, you know, my my other son, my uh, other son from other family, uh, other marriage, rather, yeah, uh, Pepe. Yeah. The problem, the it, problem child. He had a good game, you know, albeit it was against uh, a 19-year-old, I uh, can't remember his name, something Thomas, or, and uh, yeah, so I think that's the thing with the Saka effect, I call it, uh, it's like if you have players who are, you know, doing better than you, it's sort of almost like, I hope with some players, if they had the right attitude, it, it Someone like Pepe, maybe it influences him, inspires him a bit more, and he sort of. And I think he's. I mean, yeah, competition for for places in in the side is always a, that's a healthy thing, you know. That is that's that's always good to see, you know, having having to sort of make a decision about which players to choose and which to leave out because everybody's trying so hard and every you know people are doing you know people are doing so well is always that's that's a nice problem to have. You hear, you know. It's a, it's a cliche, but it's true. I mean, you hear people, you know, pundits and stuff talk about it all the time. But it, yeah, I mean, it, I I did kind of fear the worst when I when I saw who was in the starting lineup. You know, the names Pepe and Willian. Pepe and Willian starting together yeah. so far this season has typically not gone well. Um, 
you know, for whatever reason, it's just it, it, individually they've had kind of shining moments, but games where they've started together, um, it's, it's usually been pretty, pretty crap. I and I did sort of, I, I was just thinking that we were going to be in for a repeat of the Man City game and the, the Villa match when we, when we conceded that early goal. Because yeah. again, it was just sort of a silly, just a silly kind of defensive yeah. giving away miscommunication. Your own half, yeah, All that yeah, the, just leaving so much space for Telemans to just run and run and run with the ball. You know, yeah. Mari really should. Someone should have just. Fabio Mari really should be come across somebody. You know, I know I may have drawn exactly. Yeah, created space for someone else, but yeah, I don't know. But um, I felt like now that we have. Uh, we had, was it Tierney and it was Cedric at left back and right back. So I feel like now, mm. I think Pepe is better with Cedric. I'm not sure Bellerin. I don't know whether I don't know. I still, I I do still think Cedric is better than in Bellerin for. You know, I don't know about. I still, I'm on the fence about Bellerin. I just think Cedric overall is somewhat of a better choice for fullback. I don't know what you think, but um, I don't know. I yeah, I, I hmm. seems there seems to be. I think they're both. If if you're playing Pepe, it seems to be. He seems to have a bit more of a, uh, under, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, chemistry, I guess, with um, uh, yeah, Cedric seem to be. Whereas I think yeah, they I think, seem um, to be on the same wavelength. Bellerin maybe pushes himself too far forward, which sort of gets in the way of Pepe. Whereas Cedric is a bit more, he'll he'll hold back and then your time has run a bit, you know, in relation to whether Pepe cuts inside or something like that. Uh, wherever he, yeah, but, yeah. Um, I think yeah, you 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 may be right. Yeah, I think maybe the style in which they get forward, um, Bella and Pepe may be a bit too similar and kind of like you said, get in each other's way a bit. Um, so yeah, when Pepe's playing, it may be a better idea to to use uh, Cedric yeah. down that side. But yeah, we we responded to going a goal down, unlike those other two matches. Because again, I could sort of feel it happening all over again. You know, we concede an early goal, and then throughout the rest of the match, we technically play well, but the other team, all the other team has to do is just keep us at arm's length to stop us from actually, you know making that final ball to get a decent chance to, to score. It, it looked like it was going to happen all over again, but we persisted and got, you know, managed to get that free kick. Um, I think it was, it was originally given as a penalty, wasn't it? But because the contact yeah. was outside of the box, uh, Wilfred and Didi um, ended up being, yeah, free kick on the edge of the area. It on was, the edge of the area. It wasn't, um, well, this weekend excluded. It wasn't uh, Bruno Fernandes. It wasn't Man United, so it wasn't a penalty. It was a free kick. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. V- in, in this, it, yeah, in our match, VAR actually did a pretty good job because that was that was the correct call ultimately. Um, so, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, elsewhere uh, <laughs> things maybe went a bit awry, but yeah, um, yeah. So from that resulting free kick, uh, Willian took it, and it's an amazing sort of stooping header from David Luiz to steer it into the net. He had a lot of work to do to get it to get it to go towards goal from how far out he was. You know, he's still in the penalty area, but he did a really, really great job of um just getting ahead of uh, whoever it was who, who was marking him. Uh just yeah, and just 
powers the ball into the back of the net. Great header, a great free kick. And then, um, yeah, right on the stroke of halftime, uh, Ndidi was at it again and gave away a silly handball. I mean, again, this is one of those things where it's like, you know, the current interpretation of the law means that it's it's a penalty. Um, maybe yeah. it's bad that the rule is like that, but it is like that and it is a penalty. So what are you going to do? Um, and then, yeah, uh, Laka steps up and puts it away as he has done a few times so far this season. So yeah, we managed to, to get in a, you know, actually come back from a losing position to two, one before half time in a match for, uh, Probably not the first time this because we did it against Saints, didn't we? But uh, it, something that we don't do often enough is, you know, like when we go behind, actually, sort of having the the strength and the character to come back into the match. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I think maybe because Leicester didn't have um, James Madison, so they didn't really have like somebody who could um, cause that much problems for us. So all we had to do was kind of uh, wait for the pass from maybe Soyuncu or whoever centre-backs and uh, try and pounce on the ball then try and nick it on the counter which happened for the um, for the Pepe goal I think uh, yeah. yeah it was the the thing again you know that we've talked about in previous weeks that we don't seem to do often enough which was an actual like an actual press like an actual coordinated effort to press the opposition you know kind of coming forward in in ones and twos Um while the while the opposition's in their own half and like you said, you know, waiting for the mistake or waiting for them to play the ball and then cutting it out and then and then breaking. Um and it did yeah, I mean that, that third goal was absolutely kind of vintage Arsenal. It was just a fantastic, you know, Lacazette kind of won the ball back on the halfway line and it was just a, a series of amazing passes uh which ended up with a just a, a unmissable tap in, even for Pepe. <laughs> um uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, brilliant. Uh, just a fantastic combination of kind of that, uh, those those kind of three midfielders, you know, like Willian, Erdegaard and, um, and, and Pepe. Pepe just working fantastically well. You know, the, really the, the, the best case scenario of kind of what what those guys can do and what we – have been hoping they would do and it you know it all it all finally came together and it worked out and it it just it was fantastic to watch. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's sort of like you're seeing I think Arteta kind of is very um I would say I would compliment him and say, you know, he's he quickly changes up things tactically and um learns to that extent. He's from the villa game you see just completely pedestrian, not really much movement, hmm. very straight direct passing just doesn't really go anywhere and now he's I think he's found a formula now with Emil Smith-Rowe or Saka or whoever he picks so that he has like a free in behind a striker full backs occupy the wide areas and then you've got sort mm. of this interplay of the f- the four in the middle just switching switching positions almost like sort of the old days of Arsenal in a way I don't know exactly but mm. Where you have Henri sort of peeling off, and then Pires cutting in, or uh, Burkamp making it. Yeah, run. so it was almost kind of reminiscent of that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely that that style of of play. I mean, it's, you know, no one's no one's suggesting that it's as good as that, but it is. Yeah, it's that it's that philosophy, it's that way of playing. Um, and it it yeah it we 
that third goal really kind of put the game beyond Leicester. I mean, that you know, they they did struggle to create much. Like you said, they they, they really do miss James Madison, and I, I, the fact that they also lost uh, Harvey Barnes um, in the, was it in the first half? He had to go off. Yeah. It, 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 that looked pretty bad. Um, yeah, they they are missing like a you know uh, a, a kind of solid creative force. Jamie Vardy doesn't quite look. I feel like he may have rushed himself back before he was fully fit. He doesn't seem like he's quite as uh, quite as uh, I don't know. It's quite as in the zone, you know. He doesn't seem to have that extra yard of pace uh, that um, that we're used to seeing him yeah. have. I mean, I I really fucked up by putting him in my fantasy football team <laughs> this week, assuming that because yeah. because they were playing Arsenal, I just you know he's. He always scores against Arsenal, yeah, so I was just like, record, "Well, that's you yeah. know, that's nailed on." Yeah, yeah. Was, um, um, that's the thing. It's like he's, you know, uh, that's the thing when he's got no service, especially most. You know, he's, he's kind of the best when um, Leicester, like what they did against Liverpool, where they nicked it in transition and just get that ball in over behind the centre backs, and um, that's where James yeah. is most lethal. But. Uh, if you just play a very low, deep line against him, he's he can be a bit ineffective. And it's like, you know, what do you um, what does he have? Is he not very? He's not like a target man. I mean, he can. He has somewhat aerial, can head the ball a bit, but he's not. That's not his strong. He can Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a hell of a leap on him. Yeah. But yeah, he he yeah, he's not um, he's not like a Harry Kane type no. where he's able to just sort of pick something out of the air wherever he is on the pitch. But yeah, like I said, I think he's he do, he just didn't seem kind of uh, fully up for it as, as as much as he has done. I mean, I, maybe part of that is just the fact he's getting older. I mean, he, you know, he is what is he now thirty one, thirty two. Um, you know, at some point he is he, he is going to lose that kind of extra burst of pay, pace um, as he gets older. But yeah, so yeah, like I said, feel for Leicester, um, but just a great a, a great sort of statement from Arsenal that. They went behind, came back, and not just sort of came back to kind of just clinch the game, but you know ended up comfortable winners. And the performances from the players in the team just made it. It kind of it it made you feel like that we've we've actually got some. There's more depth to the squad than maybe we than we initially thought. You know, we do have players that are capable of delivering performances like that. It doesn't always have to be kind of. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a calamity if uh, yeah. if Willian and Pepe start a match together. I think now that we've got um, Smith Rowe sort of coming into um, fruition, that's a fancy word. Yes, and then uh, Odegaard is um, he's not quite hit, not quite hit the ground running. You know, he's sort of still you know a few backwards passes, sideways passes every now and then. But you know, he's got he's got some skill about him, got some ability. I would say, yeah, with with each game, he's looking more and more because it's. It, I mean, this season there's just so many matches. He, you know, he wouldn't have had the opportunity to kind of spend that much time bonding and training, yeah. or you know, the, all of that, all the stuff that would have normally happened in the course of a normal season. He is just kind of, he really is kind of learning on the job. So I think with each game, you can see him kind of growing into the side and figuring out what his what his role is. Um, and it, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it was good that he kind of, cause Smith Rowe went off injured. Was it at the end of the first yeah, half or towards the, the end? Yeah. Start of the second half around about half time, but he, he, I mean, hopefully he'll, whatever it is that, uh, 
made him go off isn't too bad and we'll see him back again soon. But yeah, when he went off and Erdegaard had to come on, um, it didn't, the, the way we were playing didn't have to change too drastically. You know, we were, we were still, still playing as we were when Smith Rowe was on. So it, it's, uh, yeah, it, again, good to have competition for places. And Smith Rowe can also play out wide as, you know, he's got, he's proven sort of in the last few weeks, he's been played out wide as well. So he's an option there as well as just through the middle. So yeah, it looks, it looks very positive in terms of the, the strength and depth of the squad compared to what it did a few weeks ago. Yeah. I think maybe if I would assume Arteta is probably going to be staying, well, regardless of whether we go out of the Europa League, because I don't think our board would really want to waste money on another manager just to repeat the whole thing. I'd probably stick with Arteta, I'm starting to think now, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they go looking for a left back at least. Because with Tierney out, we are like a lot, you know, a lot weaker. Our, you know, we can't really create as many chances or, you know, get the right sort of, you know, flow going. So I think, yeah, that's one area we need to look into is a, a, another left back, and um, yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> possibly a replacement. Not a replacement, but somebody yeah, who can play up front as well for, you know, there's lots of rumours of, what's his name, at Celtic, is it Ed- Eduard? Oh, uh, Ed- uh, yeah, uh, Eduard, yeah. So um, some there's rumours like that have been going around for a couple, uh, maybe a year or two now. But uh, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's a pretty decent squad overall. It's just, we just need to like... Get get some real good form going, and uh, hopefully we can claim at least I don't know some pride. Maybe get fifth, or but that's gonna be tough. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, if we could, it's, a respectable it's, it's fifth difficult. Place. I mean, because it's yeah, yeah it, I mean it is difficult because it, it's just every team apart from like you said earlier, every team apart from City is dropping points just randomly. Yeah. Uh, so including us, so it you know it's like. Uh, maybe we could sneak ahead of some of these teams and then, you know, we just end up losing a game it just through our own fucking inconsistency more than, it, you know, not not so much that the other team were better than us. It's more just that we've we've made it difficult for ourselves. Yeah. So but, I tell you one um, post-match interview, so basically we are our own worst enemy at times where yeah. we do it ourselves, especially against Wolves. It annoyed me. I was watching uh, Wolves v Man City and basically how Wolves were completely different. I felt that mm. they weren't even trying. They were just letting Man City do whatever they wanted. <laughs> they were against us. They bloody well beaters. Same with like Burnley against yeah. Tottenham. And I'm like, you're just letting them do what they... You're just letting them... Sh- sh- f- yeah. Fuck. It, just let Gareth Bale really have a shot. to, to yeah. think that... Yeah. Like we... Because we got Burnley next. That's our next match. And it's like... Yeah. I can guarantee it's not going to be, they're not going to play as shitty as they did against Spurs. What was that? I was so, I was so, I was like, I hope they go down. Bloody Burnley. What the fuck is that? Bloody, just like. I mean, on the basis of that performance, yeah, I mean, that is, that was the performance of a team that is, yeah, that is on the brink of relegation. But it's so weird because they normally, they're normally just so much more solid, like just all round. Like they would never, never typically, give away that many shots on goal you feel like it just there's just no way like 
I don't know. Yeah, like it, they. This is like the the one game out of ten where they play that poorly from a defensive point of view. But hopefully, yeah, I mean, hopefully they fuck up again, and you know we get a nice easy win <laughs> this weekend when we play them. So we don't know how they're going to play. They're just going to. I think if you can keep, um, what's the guy on the on the left gets all the crosses in? You get you keep those guys. Mm. You keep him quiet. They can't really. That's that's. They can't really um, create as many chances. I don't think I mean, a lot of their play goes yeah. through. Um, I can't remember his name. Players on the left. Is it McNeil? Yeah, McNeil. Dwight McNeil. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just keep him quiet, and hopefully they can. And hopefully with someone like Pablo Mari, if he, I would assume he would play because he's probably the tallest centre-back. <clears throat> I don't know if it's either Gabriel yeah, I think or... Yeah, he is, yeah. Whether, it depends on whether or not Arteta goes with Gabriel or uh, Pablo Mari for the game. He might go with Gabriel, I would assume, with David Luiz. Uh, he'd probably go with a bit more... Physical, you might even just stick with the same team from last week. If well, Smith Rose, maybe. I d- well, yeah, I, I would have thought Rob Holding would probably be mm, uh, maybe uh, for 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 a team like Burnley. I think he would have been. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's difficult to sort of predict because of all the rotations. Because the the next match after that, you know, the the Thursday following that, we've got the um, the next. Um, Stage of the Europa League, isn't it? This is the the yeah. first leg. Olympiakos. Um, it's going to be. That's uh, it. Yeah, so we're away to Olympiakos. Socrates, or is it Socrates's revenge? He's going to. Oh uh, yeah. He's uh, nailing out Olympiakos, and uh, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, he'll probably <laughs> hack down a Bamiyang. Yeah, break his leg. <laughs> Just damages ACL, end his season. Yeah, that'll be his his legacy. <laughs> and then after that, we on the the Sunday. So yeah, the Sunday of next week we've got the North London Derby. Um, so yeah. this, this is a this is a big big week for Arsenal's season overall. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I don't want to make any predict. Uh, I don't want to. I know I always jinx it. It's just. <laughs> I mean, I was lucky with I that think, Benfica um, prediction. I was like, you know, whew, I was like. I said, like, yeah, I, I thought we could beat Benfica, and we did. I was like, whew, I I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, not totally talking crap, ha ha ha. Uh, and um, but yeah, Tottenham. Let's just say they've been shit as well. So what? This is the thing. It's, it's all in your head. You, know, you got to unshackle mm. your mind, throw off those chains, exactly, and stop Joe Rogan style. Stop you got to free your mind. Being so bloody scared and. It's only Tottenham, lads. Mm. Only Tottenham. The shit. The shit. Exactly. Yeah, they are so boring. They're just not. Yeah. <laughs> just, snooze, apart snooze. from apart from when they murdered Burnley, they are just yeah. They're just they're crap to watch. So, something was going on there. Um, Some sort of you know deal was made. Bruno and Dice just like match know, fixing scandal. Yeah, yeah, something going on there. It's just too. That was too sus. If you ask me, that was low key sus. Yeah. Like it was low key sus. It was yeah, high key sus even. Yeah, I reckon I'm. I'll I'll make some predictions. I reckon I reckon we'll squeak a one nil against Burnley, probably from a penalty. Um, probably get I'm optimistic against Olympiacos. I reckon two one, and then for the Spurs match, 
I don't know, nil-nil. I think I've got a feeling that'll be just the, the fatigue I think might set in. And I think we could, yeah, we'll, we'll probably, yeah, that'll be nil-nil. You know, as soon as, if Tottenham do win, which I hope they don't, but if they do win, you know, that would be it. That'll be it. That'll, that'll be their season. They'll, um, they'll be crap for the rest of it. They'll just go back to being shit. And... Yeah, yeah, they'll have done the double over us. And that's, that's that, the important Yeah, thing. that'll be enough. That'll be, that's their version of a trophy is, uh, yeah, uh, doing, the, uh, doing the double Stat- over us. In statue one of Mourinho in his purple tracksuit. Yep. Yeah. Tactical masterclass. Yeah. That's what Exactly, yeah. God damn. I how I I don't know. How pissed off must Spurs fans be that they sacked Pochettino? Like uh, just good god. That they not just that they sacked Pochettino but that they got like Jose in to replace him. I, just, I can't imagine. I bet some of them are bloody loving it. I bet they don't care. Probably got they probably got that. Um, oh yeah, like some of the some of the real dullards. Yeah, probably yeah. really really love it. Um, oh, speaking of dullards, I did see because we talk a lot about sh- stupid things that Man United say, um, Man United fans say on on Twitter. But I did see a, a stupid thing that a Chelsea fan posted on Twitter this week. It was um, it was a picture of uh, Giroud scoring his overhead kick, set, and it was like. Giroud at 34, and then there was another picture of Thierry Henry uh, wearing uh, when he was playing for the New York Red Bulls, yeah. and he's just he just looks out of breath and sweaty, and it just says yeah it says Henry at 34, and it's just like what what point yeah. do you think you're trying to make? I don't understand. Like what uh, Giroud like, is uh, uh, Giroud is so better. <laughs> we love Giroud, but yeah, he's the, he's better than Henry. Yeah. He's way better. I d- yeah. Such a, like... Yeah, Giroud is actually better than Thierry Henry because Giroud plays for Chelsea uh, now. That's... Uh, so, yeah. I d- what the fuck? Like, yeah, so I, I don't understand what that was like, supposed to demonstrate. You know, won, won uh, the Champions League with one of the greatest Barcelona teams of recent times and then decided he'd dab a little, get earn some money in MLS for a bit and then... Was yeah. <laughs> yeah, came back came back to Arsenal for half a season and Scored then was just like, yeah, no, I'll yeah. just gonna count my money. I like I know I know I'm not as quick as I used to be. So yep, I'll just, just count my money. And uh yeah. I d- yeah, d- d- the, the, I mean I I did see the I think uh, our friend United Trey um also came up with another cracker of a, a stat. Um, I, I, I say stat, you know, it's, uh, mm. <laughs> it's that's in, in quotation marks. Um, let's have a look here. This, uh, yeah. So Eric, uh, Eric Bailey and Maguire have conceded just two goals together in 2021 compared to Diaz and Stone's five goals together, but you won't hear a word. It's that anti-United find- agenda in the media. Yeah, I think the reason you won't hear a word about that tray is because it doesn't matter and nobody cares. Um, clearly, I mean, clearly <laughs> United's defence is better than Manchester City's defence. That's why United yeah. are trailing Man City by 15, 15, 40, 15 points. 15 points. Is Facts. it 15 or four? I can't remember. 
And it might be 40 because they drew. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Actually, if we, we could talk about United now. It's great that um, when Bruno Fernandes is basically kept quiet and uh, they, can't, they can't win a game. Of when they can't get I mean, a penalty, yeah, they, penalty from VAR, they can't win a game. It's really weird. Very brave of that, that referee to uh, not award a penalty. So fucking funny. So funny that they like the one <laughs> the one time that they finally should have been awarded a penalty and they didn't get it. And like Ollie in the interview after the match was just like doing that classic thing that like shit managers do, where it's like, oh yeah, it's cost us two points. We would have. We would have won the game if we'd got that penalty. And it's just like, oh, so you're just straight up admitting that that's your game plan. Like that's yeah. that's what you've been relying on this entire season. That is that's plan A for you guys yeah. is to just get a penalty. Plan B is either Bruno Fernandes doing something, you know, something individual brilliance from him, like long range curler, free kick or whatever, yeah. or um yeah, plan A, get a penalty. And it was like, if I may be so, like, my conspiracy theory is the, uh, the uh, uh, was it Greenwood and Hudson-Odoi? I think Greenwood deliberately mm. shoved Hudson-Odoi's arm up towards the ball so that his hand touched the ball in order to try and create, uh, you know, handball. Handball ref, it's pen, it's pen. It does, yeah, I mean, there's, from certain angles, it, does, it looks as though Greenwood handles it first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then there's other angles where it's like, yeah, it clearly touches Hudson Adoy's hand. But yeah, the fact that they didn't get given it um, is is so funny. And like Ollie's reaction, saying that you know the ref, the refs are being uh, what do you say? Like they're they're <laughs> they're being subject to like outside influences, you know, like yeah. their their reputation. Like it's, it's again just it's, that brilliant kind of thing of like, oh, well, take take your agenda elsewhere. Yeah, that's, like, oh. that's great. <laughs> Whenever you criticise Man United, it's clearly an agenda going on. Well, we do have an agenda. That is, it's a, yeah, it's a classic dumb guy thing. It's just like, what what do you think agenda means? Because like... Agenda? Like your sex, mate. Yeah. Oh, don't get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a separate can of worms. Um, but yeah, the idea that just like any type of criticism um, is... Any type of criticism means you have an agenda against that specific player. And it's just like, I just, so what we, you have to just be nice to every, like, yeah. so, <laughs> you know, like now in football, you can't, if you can't, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Yeah. It, that Keep- seems to be what they want. And we also, I forgot, we should congratulate Man United for winning the title yeah, yeah, uh, we should. already yeah. uh, in back in January. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're on they're on a run now of uh, was it three or four nil 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 draws in a row. Yeah, um, I mean, clean sheets, mate. That's so, elite defense. You won't hear about that. In yes, the media. no, it's you won't hear about our watertight defense. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 an elite mentality to uh, only play in games where there's no goals uh, yeah. at either end. It's uh, yeah. When uh, getting uh, getting one point a game instead of three uh, proves an elite mentality because number number one means you want to be first. You know that's that's you get one point that means you're number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah when you're uh, when your star player throws another strop, uh, that's elite mentality. That's a winning mentality. That's uh, that's leadership. When uh, yes. he goes hiding, when because someone's marking him and he can't get on the ball and. You know. Yeah, yeah, and then when he uh, 
you know, stomps around filling his nappy after the match. Uh, that is, yeah, that's, that's an elite mentality. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, that's, that's funny to, to, yeah, Man United, uh, being shit again. Um, and it is, it, it sort of proves that there is, <laughs> there is zero plan B if they, without Bruno Fernandes, if, if he's kept quiet, which a lot of teams seem to have figured out a way to do. Or I think it's also, it also part of it is just, again, his fitness levels. Cause he, he, he's similar to Alexis Sanchez. He never seems to want to rest. Um, he just wants to play every minute of every match, regardless of how much his body can withstand or how it affects his fitness levels. And I think it might be kind of taking its toll on him, but clearly he's just that type of guy that he's going to keep trying to be involved in every minute of every match. So it, it, it's, yeah, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be careful, but I mean, not too careful because it, it's, it's, you know, it's funny to watch Man United fail. Um, yeah. Was there any other uh, football talk? Well, I mean, there's probably loads, but anything pressing that we need to talk about? Um, no, I, not really. I think that's most of it. I just, my, my uh, I just wanted to complain about how all these teams that beat us, like Burnley and Wolves, and all of a sudden they just completely roll over for uh, you know other teams, and it's just, just what gets my goat. I, 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 I just. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, but that's that's why we love the game, isn't it? That's, yeah. You know, that's the the unpredictability. And there's other, I've been saying like some rumors about some uh, some Nigerian billionaire wanting to buy the club, but yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I think he he's tried a few times, I think, to to buy because I think he already doesn't he already own like a bunch of uh, shares or whatever in the. I don't know how it works, but I, I think. I think he already owns part of the club, but he's mm. he's wanted to take over for a few years now. I can't remember his name. No, yeah, I can't remember it either. But um, I don't know how shares work. I'm getting into all that. Yeah, yeah, you have a piece. S- uh, shares and stonks. Yeah, I I couldn't. I, just, I didn't go to shares and stonks school, so uh, he uh, he owns all the Dogecoin uh, of of the club. I become I become very suspicious when like Google and YouTube are now advertising cryptocurrency. Now it's a bit a bit suspicious. But other than that, uh, yeah, it is kind of just like <laughs> this is. I this was supposed wasn't this supposed to be sort of like an underground thing to yeah. stop you guys from owning everything. Now, uh, like every now, loads of apps uh, yeah. that you can invest in Amazon for less than a pound. All it will require is your like, soul. Well, then what's the point? Like, it's, what's it? yeah, it's, 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 if the value is that little, like, what, I, what, what's the point? I, yeah. If it's getting to the point where, like, I, where me, I'm being advertised to, to invest in Amazon, surely there's no point. But, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, we'll take a, a quick break and uh, we'll come back with some segments. Ooh. Mm. Um, yeah, we're back. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to keep the energy up because I'm feeling a bit uh, wacky today. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I had the, the vaccine. I've, I've, had my, uh, I've had my Microsoft chip put in. And uh, yeah, it's um, 
just sort of made me feel a bit uh, bit lightheaded. Um, so, yeah. Sorry actual, if this episode's a bit uh, rambly and a bit rough. It's like an actual potato chip that's going around your bloodstream or like a... You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a Walker's Crisp. Mm, um, that would that be nice. Gently crumbles into, my, into the bloodstream and then kind of really- permeates my brain matter and makes me, you know, influences me to want to, to buy Microsoft products. Uh, Walker's so, Crisps. Mm. Speaking of which, uh, this episode brought to you by Microsoft. All hail Mr. Gates. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Boom. Um, yeah, so I thought I'd, because th- the, the Golden Globes were this week, apparently, Lawrence. Uh, Golden yeah. Globes, famously, an award show uh, that nobody nobody cares about until the night of the award show and then suddenly it becomes very important and then within 24 hours everybody immediately forgets about it basically it's it's just an excuse for the hollywood foreign press association to invite a bunch of celebrities that they want to hang out with uh to to you know whatever venue and then they can schmooze with them um is this the one where ricky gervais is always doing the speech doing the He's he's the uh, MC or whatever. He's the host. Yeah, he he's, doesn't give a fuck. He, he will say anything. He is to outrageous. Any, he's just, he doesn't care who he offends. My. He's just. He's almost. He's. It's almost like he's trying to offend you. It's like you know. It's like uh, if uh, you're uh, offended. Uh, 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 have I have I offended you? Have I offended you? Carl, that's, that's what he's. That's, that's what he's offensive, doing. Carl, you can't say that's offensive, Carl. Uh, 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 uh. I've got a golden globe. Uh, uh, uh. I'm Vicky Gervais. I'm an atheist. Yeah. Uh, uh, So, uh, 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 uh. So yeah, for like a few years in a row, Ricky Gervais would host it and like pretend that it was bullshit and that it didn't matter, but he kept doing it every year. Uh, So it sort of undermined his point. Um, But yeah, they are stupid and they are, you know, it's, it's nonsense. None of it really matters. Uh, People like to pretend that it's sort of like a, Sort of because it, I think it's like the first major award ceremony of award season. You know, we get into you know like the Oscars and uh, you know the SAG Awards, Independent Spirit Awards, all the other kind of you know film and, and movie and TV awards, the Baftas and so forth. Um, people like to pretend that the Golden Globes is some kind of indication of what the Oscars might be like, but there's that very rarely seems to be the case. I mean. If you want proof of that, I mean, fucking, you know, <laughs> Sia's uh, autism film uh, got nominated for, for two awards at the Golden Globes, even though it's been sort of uh, very widely panned, not just by critics, but also a lot of uh, kind of charities and activist groups uh, for, you know, people with autism saying that it's portrayal of autism and the choice to have a, a non-autistic actor portray an autistic girl has akin i mean there's been lots of comparisons made to um ben stiller's character in tropic thunder when he plays uh that special needs guy uh was it is it happy jack when he does that movie where it's like you make me happy um i'm not a well versed in the ben stiller films i'm not really a ben stiller Uh, really what the i mean the fuckers, those ones, meet the parents, that's probably about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry about Tropic that. Thunder's great because um, every couple of months, like some teenager from Tumblr will find out that Robert Downey Jr. did blackface in it, and oh, they'll yeah. try and, like, 
they'll try and get him cancelled on Twitter, and it's just sort of like, ah, this is, it's like, if you watch like ten seconds of the film, you'll realise that it. Uh, never mind. It. Yeah, it was quite funny. Um, at the time, sorry to veer off, but as I made a joke on on the Twitters saying, just found out about Tropic Thunder, big yikes, and then somebody who was sort of doing the trolling where they pretended to be like outraged and mm. so it got into a bit of a weird I was just you know trying to play dumb and then after a while he was like yeah. oh we're on the same side buddy don't worry we're on the same side I was like oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, it gets to one of those where uh, who's 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 trolling who here yeah so I wasn't trolling yeah. I was just making a joke it's like uh, it's like that meme of the two Spider-Mans yeah. pointing at each other, except it's two Jokers. It's two two it's, Jokers. It's, two two jokers. of the Joker pointing at each other. That's, there's a movie. Two Jokers, two societies. There's, there you go. Yes, yes. Yeah, we gotta we gotta cut that out of the podcast because that's too good of an idea to just release into the world for free. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, Golden Globes were this week, and one of the big winners was uh, Anya Taylor Joy off of The Queen's Gambit. Uh, which is a, a Netflix miniseries adapted from a book. I understand um, about a, book a, of chess. A, 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 a yeah young lady chess uh, prodigy in the in the sixties. Um, came out towards the end of last year on Netflix. Very well received. I, I watched it not too long ago. Um, it is pretty good. They, I mean, it's <laughs> they do struggle to make the actual chess part of the story interesting. I mean, you just can't. I ju- you just can't make chess exciting uh because it isn't but um i I thought i'd give because it's been out for a while and you know it's it's now in the news because uh, you know it's it's won awards and things i thought i'd give a recap of uh of of the queen's game did you have have you seen it lawrence no (laughs) so (laughs) this is going to be spoilers for you oh i um, don't mind i don't mind yeah (laughs) so i think i'm gonna see a film about chess Regardless of whether or not Anya Taylor joys in it, you know, she's well. It, it's it's not. <laughs> it's first of all, it's not a film. It's a. It's, oh, I think right, it's like yeah. a seven episode okay. miniseries. Yeah, so well, it's, it's, it's just yeah. a, a film that they decided not to cut, so they just turned it into, you know, seven episodes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we start with uh, Beth Gambit is orphaned after her mother dies, attempting to kill both herself and Beth in a car crash. Uh, for some reason, Beth's apparent superpowers are never mentioned again after this because she survives the crash, but her mum doesn't. Um, so don't really. It, I mean, it seems as though there could be a, there could have been room for sort of an unbreakable style storyline there, you know, where like Bruce Willis doesn't realize he has superpowers until Samuel L. Jackson uh, tricks him. Mm. Um, she goes to an orphanage and is immediately given drugs. Um, mm. The the show sort of explains this away by basically just saying this is it's the South in the fifties because it's it, it's all set in Kentucky. Um, so yeah, she is just day one in the orphanage, given some tranquilizers. Um, she's taught to play. She's then taught to play chess by Scruffy, the janitor from Futurama. Oh yeah, um, who has like a, a chess board in his little basement that he lives in it's never really made clear what the deal is there like whether he lives in the basement of the orphanage or what um and then she starts to hallucinate chess games on the ceiling when she goes to bed at night because of the drugs um as she gets older she becomes too powerful to be contained by the orphanage so is adopted by a childless suburban couple 
the dad almost immediately runs away. Um, it, it's <laughs> oh, yeah. basically they pick her up from the orphanage, bring her home. He goes to, I think he goes to Denver on business uh, and just never comes back, uh, which was. Is this social commentary that was, that was, on, on um, fathers who abandon their families? Yeah. yeah, I guess. I mean, that was just how it was in the 60s, I guess. You know, you've, yeah. yeah. You, you don't. You don't feel like dealing with your wife or your newly adopted teen daughter. Uh, I just want to um, grill, for God's sakes. I'm just trying to grill. I just yeah. want to grill. I just want to hang out with my bros on my deck. Exactly. I just want to go out to, on my I'm going to go live in Denver, and in like 40 years' time, they'll legalize weed. Um, Yo. And yeah. I mean, he'll pro- he probably would have been long dead by that point. Anyway, um, she begins to compete in local chess tournaments and even beats Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Um, despite his best attempts to distract her with his fucked up teeth. Um, which, again, I don't think... I don't know that much about chess, but I'm pretty sure that's not part of the game. Um, so with her mum acting as her agent, Beth begins entering chess competitions all over the country, winning a bunch of prize money. Um we then flash forward, I think this is about the th- maybe the third episode, we flash forward from Kentucky 1963 to Las Vegas in 1966, where it's now the 60s. It's pretty much, it, it's, it's almost, it's such a weird transition, like this establishing shot of her walking around a hotel in, uh, in Las Vegas in 1966 is like a, it's almost like something out of Austin Powers. It really is just sort of like, it's, hey man, it's the cool 60s now. And it's just like, but it was the six, wasn't it the 60s a minute ago? It, this whole thing has been set in the 60s. I don't understand why it's suddenly now like everyone the starts, 60s. Everyone starts wearing green and yellow and purple. Whoa. Yeah, everyone's wearing like frilly shirts. Um, yeah. We don't want to wear grey um, anymore, Grandpa. Whee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna ride my motorcycle off this bridge. Is that <laughs> so? Long, that's what happens suckers. in that movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love all those '60s movies about extremely badass, you know, guys in their thirties who pretend to be twenty, and uh, yeah, they just. It, well, no, yeah, the guys in their thirties that pretend kids, to be like high school kids. You ought to pick that can up or put it in the bin. Yeah, no way, Grandpa. We're cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Di- yeah, d- d- of then, yours, Grandpa. I'm the, gonna go die in Vietnam. Yeah, and then the Eagles plays. Um, to show that the oh, you mean the birds? That's the birds, not the Eagles. Yeah. Oh yeah, I get confused. Yeah. I get yeah. Sorry, the Eagles are type of bird. Attraction corner. Yeah. Um. So she she meets um. What is very obviously a small boy in a leather trench coat with ridiculous fake facial hair and a cowboy hat. Um, he's supposed to be the character again. The, the show sort of presents the character as being charming and mysterious. The, the show wants you to think that he's kind of charming and mysterious because he's got his little goatee and his cowboy hat, and he wears a leather trench coat, and he has like a knife strapped to his chin. Uh, strapped to his chin, strapped to his shin, um, but it it's all undermined by the fact that the actor playing him is very obviously a small child. Like it, it looks. I think it, it's it's the dude for you know, like every year when it gets around to Christmas time, 
every website has an article about like, here's what the little kid from Love Actually looks like now. Yeah. And, and he's, re- it's he's that, really he, obese. And the guy, he looks exactly the same. Like it's, a- it's that guy. It's, it's that little kid from Love Actually. They always catch him um, on the day when they're coming out of their apartment, like they're sort of hungover, they got their trousers hanging out, beer belly or something. They always catch yeah. him at their worst. And it's always so sickening of our gutter press that they do that. Yeah. Eat it, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's it's gross, but yeah, it's weird because every year every website does that same article, and that guy's been. I think he was in Game of Thrones as well. Like, it's not like he stopped acting. Like, he's been in a bunch of stuff, and he looks exactly the same. Um, but yeah, in this, he's supposed to be kind of like a kind of kooky cowboy guy that plays chess. Um, anyway, her mother dies while she's at a tournament in Mexico City, leaving her to live in the house in Kentucky all alone. Until Dudley Dursley shows up again uh, with his teeth fixed. He's he had his, his teeth done and he attempts to coach her. Um, she seems to know everything that he tries to teach her. And it's implied that he's not very good at sex. So he leaves. Um, Sounds like a bit of a Mary Sue. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, no, because the, because of the next part, you see that she's actually, she's actually deeply flawed because oh, she begins okay. to drink heavily. Which, because this is an American show and Americans don't know how to drink. I mean, famously, you know, the cliche is that Americans don't don't know how to drink. They don't really have much of a drinking just, culture. Yeah. So, what that means is that um, she there'll be just like two cans of beer in the frame with her um, at random points, and that from that we're supposed to interpret. Oh man, she she she's drinking. She's had at least two beers. She's. What is, she, That's, she, what is wrong with her? She's drinking like a fish. Oh my. Um, Don't do that. And then uh, we also see a scene of her dragging a rubbish bin that is maybe a third of the way filled up with like wine bottles and beer cans uh, out to the curb from, from her house. Again, that presumably is to indicate that she is, by American standards, an alcoholic. Um, if the show had been made in Britain, I mean, it, she'd have a skip full of empty Stellas outside the house. I mean, it is, it's yeah. really quite pathetic. Yeah. She'd have like a real sort of very lower class accent, maybe. Well, you're a bat, you know, sort of like, mm. sort of like a smoke, chain smoking, maybe in a, in a mm. Elise tracksuit, you know, the pink. She'd be like, we are a bat. You're looking at. Yeah. But she's also like a chess genius. Yeah. Um. Anyway. She goes to New York to be coached uh, by the, the little boy in the trench coat, um, and she sleeps with him, and it's implied that he's actually very good at sex, despite clearly being a prepubescent child. Um, mm. She then goes oh to Paris and blows the big game against this scary Russian uh, chess player. That's the thing. The, the, the Russia casts a huge shadow over this whole thing because of... Uh, in Russia, it seems like che- <laughs> in Soviet Russia, chess play you. Yeah, um, so they say. But no, it seems as though like chess in Russia is like uh, I don't know. It's it's like football here. Like ev- everybody in Russia gives a huge shit about chess, and not only that, but the country just seems to produce chess champions on a conveyor belt, basically. Um, so yeah, she she plays uh, against the big Russian guy who's uh, called Borgo, and uh, she she blows the big game because she went on a bender the night before, 
with a sexy French model because it's in Paris. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in sort of the, the, the final episode or so, she quits the pills and the booze and wins the even bigger game that's in Russia against Borgo, uh, where she is made queen. Uh, at the very end of the show, she's, she's made queen of, of Russia. Also, at some point, she falls in love with a gay guy. Uh, and that's it. That's that's the Queen's Gambit. This is this is during Soviet era Russia. So how will she be Queen if there's a if there's a Soviet Union? Ah, because she won the chess. Oh yeah, that's right. Do you not listen to anything I said? She won at chess. Well, they didn't, and he didn't. He didn't mention about the the the, the context. He just sort of glossed over that. She she beats she beats Borgo in the big chess game in Russia. Which then means she becomes the the queen of Russia. It's like wrestling. Fight for uh, fight for Soviet freedom by beating mm. chess. Yeah, and then she sort of uh, plays plays uh, some chess against is some it? peasants by a river. After that, and it's uh, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's it's nice. She, is, uh, is, but is yeah, that like was that a, was the Queen's Gambit. So that's is there like a scene at the end where the kid beats her like and. It's like he's just a, he's just a kid, and it's like, oh my god, you've beat me! How you how did you beat me at chess? And he's like, you know, it's, I don't know some kind well, of fallback. I don't know. She well, he actually, he beats her earlier on in the show. That's I think that's why he, she ends up going to him for help uh, to get him to coach her because they uh, do like. I think he beats her, and then they do like later on they they play like speed chess against each other. Um, and she keeps losing, and they're like they're like betting like five bucks a game or something, and he ends up like he ends up winning like fifty bucks from her because he keeps beating her. So like yeah, the the little kid keeps uh, yeah, he's like he's the Mary Sue of the whole thing, really. He's the, you know he's again he's sort of portrayed as this kind of cool kooky guy, um, but actually he's just like a little kid. Yeah. All right. Then. Okay. So that was uh yeah that was that was the Queen's Gambit recap. Um you don't need to watch it now cuz I've I've told you everything. Um the other thing I wanted to talk about this week was this is I guess this is a segment that we're kind of borrowing from a more successful podcast. Um and it's called This Kickstarter Stinks. Um okay. and it's legally separate from any other podcasts that you uh may or may not be aware of. Um but I wanted to talk about this because it, it. I remember reading about it years ago when it happened, and then um, it just sort of popped in my head a few weeks ago, and I checked back in with it to see kind of what the current status of it was because I hadn't heard anything about it. Basically, so again, Lawrence, you uh, you haven't seen Breaking Bad, have you? Um, <clears throat> a little bits, not a whole lot, not everything, only a little bits. Okay. But you are, I mean, I'll, just to, just to kind of cover expert. some basics here. I'm not here. a full knowledge on who's who. Well, just, and... just, just to cover some, some basics here, you, you are, you're aware of Breaking Bad as, yeah, it's as a television spin-off, program. Spin-off from Malcolm in the Middle. Yes, exactly. Um, and you're aware that it, that it ended several years ago. I thought it was still carrying on. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, obviously, I, I'm joking. Yes, yes, I'm fully aware of when it, yeah. Um, and you're aware of the the, the spin-off, sh- the Bob Odenkirk spin-off show, Better Call Saul? Yes, I am. Yes. 
Yeah, which is I think that that is still airing. I think there's there's one I believe one season left of that before it ends. Um, so yeah, so you're, I mean, well, so Breaking Bad ended in 2013, um, and so that was when the the final episodes of, of Breaking Bad aired. Um, before it had finished airing, it had been announced that there was going to be a uh, the, the spin-off show uh, Better Call Saul, which would act as a uh, prequel slash sequel to Breaking Bad. So that had already been announced and was in development and in in pre-production. Um, that you know that was something that was that was known uh, to be happening, and everybody was very excited about it. Um, Except for this guy, uh, he, who's name coincidentally is also named Lawrence. He's Lawrence Shepard, um, and his <laughs> his big idea was to create a. Well, I'll just I'm going to read from this this Vice article uh, that was released around the, uh, the, the around the same time. Um, so that yeah, the uh, the Van Nuys based producer uh, is bold project is to make a. Breaking Bad sequel starring Val Kilmer and Slash as the cops who recovered Walter White's body. Uh, so I guess spoilers for the last episode of Breaking Bad. Uh, Walter White, the main guy, uh, dies. Or does he? No, he definitely mm-hmm. dies. Um, yeah, so this guy, Lawrence Shepard, doesn't have, he doesn't have the rights to Breaking Bad. Uh, and he, hasn't, he hadn't actually received any form of commitment from Val Kilmer or Slash. The reason that he wanted to cast those two as the... <laughs> As the like the the main two, his his plan was to have them as I think FBI agents um, that uh, sort of take Walter White's body away, and then uh, or well no, they wouldn't take the body away. You, there would be a mysterious set of hands that kind of grab Walter White's body and carry it off, and then the sort of central premise of the show would be Slash and Val Kilmer as two FBI agents trying to find uh, Walter White through a series of kind of, you know, small clues that are left. And the whole kind of thing is it like, oh, is Walter White still alive or is he not? Um, this guy is just a guy. He's not like a, it doesn't look as though he's worked in TV ever before. Um, he slashes his neighbor. So that was, that's why he, <laughs> I, I guess that was where that idea came from. Um, slash, I don't think has ever acted in anything before. And I think he knows somebody that knows Val Kilmer. Um, so again, that was how he'd sort of, that's how he'd got those two names attached. Um, but yeah, this guy had, he started a, a Kickstarter campaign to crowdfund this idea for a Breaking Bad sequel that he was going to call Anastasia um, for reasons that are never really made clear. I say never really, that, that are never made clear. Um, let's have a look. Yeah, he was trying to raise $500,000 uh, to get this thing made. A thing that he didn't have the rights for and that would have been competing with a another Breaking Bad prequel slash sequel show <laughs> because he started this project on the, yeah, this, this, yeah, this uh, crowdfunding project was started on the, well, well it was cancelled on July 18th, 2014. Um, just trying to see when it was first launched. But yeah, it, it would have been, yeah, 2014. So that, yeah, it, it, again, 
the <laughs> the other show he would have been competing against was already in production. Um, he wanted five hundred thousand dollars. I did you want to take a guess at how much he managed to raise before cancelling the project? Twenty dollars. Uh, well. Not quite. I mean, he managed to raise $1,075.69, nice, nice. Uh, of the $500,000 goal, which equates to £771, um, which, I mean, yeah. Adjust for inflation. Really quite, uh, quite sad. Um, yeah. And then, um, he again, the ambition on this guy, the, I mean, it, as with most crowdfunding things, you know, if you pledge different amounts, you get different rewards or different perks. Um, this guy s- seems to have spent more time thinking out the various rewards for this than he did anything else. Um, I mean, there's, there's excerpts from... <laughs> There's excerpts from the script here um, for the the pilot episode, which I'll get to in in just a moment. Um, let's have a look. But uh, yeah, so if you, I'm just trying to see what the so the 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 lowest pledge level here is is one dollar. Uh, what you get for one dollar is you can be a huge help putting these amazing actors on the screen. At one dollar, you'll receive Anastasia updates through the throughout the production. Um. Then you got uh, there's a ten dollar level, twenty dollar level, thirty five dollars, fifty dollars, seventy five or more. I mean, it's weird. He's got seventy five or more, and then there's a one hundred dollar level. So it's just like if you <laughs> if you want to contribute like seventy six dollars, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a, a weird kind of weird kind of thing to put a cap on that, but then not have it on the other thing. Um, so yeah, a hundred dollars. You'll receive the updates, the script in a PDF format. So I'll send you a, a PDF of the pilot script. Um, Anastasia T-shirt, the coffee mug, and an eight by ten photo. Um, but only if you live in the US, UK, Canada, Australia, Mexico, New Zealand, or the Netherlands. Um, I should say that it does. It does <laughs> immediately beneath that. It does say uh, ships to anywhere in the world. Uh, so he's slightly undermining himself there. One person backed at the one hundred dollar level, which um, is insane to me. Um, at the one hundred and fifty dollar level, so this is where we get into. He, obviously, you know, making these pledges, uh, the these sort of pledge levels at the higher pledge levels, you got to limit how many how many are available because otherwise, you know, <laughs> you can't just be giving out all these expensive kind of perks. So. For $150, uh, you'll receive the updates, the script, the T-shirt, coffee mug, uh, an 8x10, uh, which will be signed by one of the actors. So you'll get the photo, but it'll be signed. Um, that's limited to 200 So only 200 people would have been able to pledge $150. Uh, nobody did. So currently, that's limited to two, 200 out of 200 um, Going on a little more, we've got uh, the $500 level. You'll receive updates, the script in a PDF format, uh, the Anastasia T-shirt, coffee mug, 8 by 10 photo, a very limited edition top secret art design T-shirt, so extra T-shirt, um, which nobody else can get but you. So you get a very specific T-shirt at $500, which somebody backed. Uh, there was Yeah, there's 299 left of, of 300 of those. So one person... Uh, wanted to kick in $500 to get this super secret t-shirt. 
going further on, if you pledge $3,000, you'll get the, the updates, the scripts, the T-shirt, the mug, the photo, and you'll get to, <laughs> get to pick the stage name we will use on Anastasia for Val Kilmer's wife. Um, I don't think he knows what a stage name is. I think maybe he means the character's name. You get to yeah. pick the, the name of Val Kilmer's character's wife. Um, the name will have to be evaluated for its effectiveness. Weird way of saying that. Uh, but you can keep picking until we find the one that fits. Oh, so basically, you can pick the name of, uh, of Val Kilmer's wife in the TV show, but if they don't like it, you have to pick another one. And if they don't like that, you have to pick another one, and so on and so forth, until you pick one that they like. Um, so it kind of seems like a not that great of a perk, really, if you're... Uh, uh, yeah, you, you're doing a lot of work for them with that, from the sounds of it. Um, nobody pledged at that level. There was only one, because I guess Val Kilmer's character is only going to have one wife in, in the show. Um, up to the $5,000 level, so you receive the, uh, you know, all of the other stuff, say it with me, the script, uh, the updates, the T-shirt, the coffee mug, the 8x10 photo, and you'll be an extra in the pilot. Um, the scene will be on a neighborhood street, and you'll be going door-to-door trick-or-treating. Uh, it says in brackets here, all ages are invited. You must provide your own Halloween costume. So they're not going to – there's no wardrobe for the extras on this. Um I guess, you know, $500,000 only gets you so much um, when you're talking about big hitters like Val Kilmer and Slash. Um, Filming will be in Los Angeles. You must provide your own transportation uh, to and from the set. Uh, Filming will be set at night. Uh, Again, for some reason, it says shipping. (laughs) Shipping uh, to the US, Canada, UK, Australia, Mexico, New Zealand, and the Netherlands only. So if you come from anywhere else, you can't be an extra in this guy's demented fan fiction. Um, $8,000 gets you a small speaking part in the pilot. And it'll be uh, the scene during the Halloween trick or treating. So similar to, you know, if you pledge at the uh, $5,000 where you get to be the extra, but this time you'll actually, you, if you pledge eight grand instead of five grand, you get to have a, a speaking part. Um, it says here that you and a, your gang of ruffians create havoc on this poor person's car that stopped at a stop sign, but that motorist may have other ideas. Uh, I don't know what that means. Um, presumably it means that the, the motorist is going to run one of the trick or treaters over or maybe pull a gun or something. Um, some of you will be in Halloween costumes must be ages 12 or over. Uh, an invitation to the red carpet premiere and the after party is also included in that. The premiere will be in the Los Angeles area, more than likely Hollywood, um, and you are responsible for all transportation to and from. Uh, nobody back to that level is six out of six. So I guess he wanted to have a gang of at least six ruffians. That the, the idea would have been they'd have all pledged at least eight grand each to this fucking thing. Um, and then at the 10 grand level, this is where it tops out. So if you pledge 10 grand to this thing, you'll have a prominent speaking role in the movie. And then he says, here's the scene. It's Halloween and you are giving out candy to the trick-or-treaters at your front door. It's your choice if you want to be in costume. Val Kilmer and the woman playing his wife, <laughs> so the nameless wife character that we mentioned earlier, um, are taking their children through the neighborhood and they stop at your house. 
In addition to appearing in the pilot, you receive a frame copy of the page of the script that includes your line, get an invitation to the premiere and the after party. Premiere will be in Los Angeles, blah, 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 blah. You've got to have your own transportation. So there's three of those. So it seems like a lot of this pilot was going to be taking place <laughs> on Halloween and trick-or-treating on this particular street that Val Kilmer's family lives on because there's three of those parts available. So three prominent speaking roles during a, a, a trick-or-treating sesh plus the scene with the six ruffians uh, who each have, I mean, yeah, like I said, at least one line each, a small speaking part is what's promised there. Um, so, yeah, it seems as though a lot of this stuff would be happening on Halloween trick. It, it would just be, it would literally just be trick-or-treating. It's just, just Val Kilmer and his family going trick-or-treating <laughs> with nothing else uh, involved. This this is quite a lot to take in. Uh, this is just mad. This is ramblings of insane people. Uh, like I was, was, I've got what? Yeah, I, I don't know what to have an opinion or have to say anything. Just, what, what, Val Kilmer, <laughs> what's he done? The only film I've ever seen was Batman Re- Returns. Was it? Yeah, Batman Forever. That was um, Batman, Batman Forever. Forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Batman um, Returns was still Michael Keaton. Like, what does he um, even? What? Yeah, this. He would have better luck. Why this guy just, is. Just pitch your <laughs> idea for a show to whoever is in charge of all these shows in Hollywood. I don't know. Write a letter. Send them a. Can I exactly come pitch my show? Exactly. To you? Why would, especially. Especially given that, that like the thing, effectively the thing that he's pitching already exists. That's what I can't get over. It's like because he talks about in the I can't um, I can't find the video. There is there is a video that he made to to go along with this, and we don't have the technical know how to play it on the podcast. But basically, in the video, he's saying that he the, he wants to do it because he's a huge fan of TV. Basically, he watches a lot of TV. And his favorite shows are, are Breaking Bad and The Big Bang Theory. And he noticed that <laughs> with Breaking Bad ending and The Big Bang Theory uh, having dipped in quality, he didn't think that the scripts for the last, the, the, the previous season of The Big Bang Theory were very good. Um, he was saying, I think one of the things he cited was that, I guess one of the, one of the nerds in The Big Bang Theory uh, is like, D- depressed or something and he's like oh he realizes that he can't talk to women because he's sad come on guys so he thought he'd have a go he thought he'd have a go at creating a, a tv show but not just a tv show a sequel to what many would argue is the greatest tv show of all time certainly probably the, big the bang theory most no, critically uh, lauded and well received tv show of all time yes uh, big bang uh, theory. yes exactly <laughs> big bang theory <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so his, um, his, I mean, he's, he's got a couple of pages of the, the script here for the, the pilot. Um, let's have a look. So it's called fearful symmetry is the, the pilot episode. And this is the teaser scene. A, uh, I'm pretty sure scenes are numbered rather than lettered in most scripts, but whatever, uh, cold open interior meth lab night. We see what appears to be Walter White, W.W., lying down, uh, lying on the lab floor. W.W.'s face is visible. 
police officer Barnes, 20s to 30s, is standing at his feet. Um, there's no... The description for Officer Barnes doesn't have a closed bracket at the end there. It just says, open bracket, 20s to 30s, is standing at his feet, and then uh, it just carries on. Uh, Shouts are heard from outside the meth lab from the other police officers. Uh, And the officers say, holy crap, Jesus, I need a perimeter set up here ASAP. Move out, Barnes. Um, Officer Barnes. I should also point out that the dialogue is written in the same uh, font and italicized along with everything else. There, there is, there's no way to differentiate what is dialogue and what is stage direction. It's all written in the same, same font, same color, everything else. So, I'm assuming they that use, Move Out Barnes. <laughs> I, f- I thought they that- used. I thought they used italics for when an Italian is speaking. In in a yes, in a- yeah. So really, it should be, holy crap, Jesus, mamma mia, I need a perimeter set up out here ASAP, move out the bonds. Um, There we go. Officer Officer Barnes runs towards the other officers who are outside. Four seconds elapse, and we see, uh, why he specified four seconds, I don't know. Um, We see a person walk up to WW, in brackets, we cannot determine gender or their identity. Um, I I don't. What, again? Why would you say? Just say you can't determine their identity. That kind of includes everything else, doesn't it? Um, and and unknown per. I, th- I think. Well, that should. I think he means an unknown, but it says and and unknown person reaches down and grabs WW's legs at the ankles. That person then drags WW out away from the direction of the, the police officers have gone. WW's body leaves a small blood trail smear. End of teaser. Um, I, so I mean, few things with that. I mean, if he's leaving a small blood or trail of, uh, you know, blood trail or a smear, I would have thought that would have made it slightly easier to sort of begin the hunt for this guy uh, that hmm. the central premise yeah. of the show is based around. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's just the beginning of the problems with with this script. I mean, yeah, this this is really um truly insane. I mean, it it's just it's and some of the updates here are are just incredible as well. Um he cuz this gained some traction so you know, this started popping up on uh, you know, various news outlets, you know, it it's kind of went viral on Twitter because it's, you know, obviously it's hilarious, you know. It's it's just like this fucking wackadoo nut job wants to make another Breaking Bad. Um, let's have a look. Yeah, so I'm trying to find. Basically, Val Kilmer. It it got back to Val Kilmer, and he tweeted about it. Um, and <laughs> uh, this guy had some things to say. I mean, the, it's really funny because I think the last update that's on here is just it's just a big list of. Anastasia has been written up in Entertainment Weekly. Anastasia was written up on Vice.com. Anastasia is in Time Magazine. Anastasia has a piece in the Huffington Post. And it's just like it every single one of these articles is basically like, get a load of this fucking idiot that's trying to make a break, you know, trying to do Breaking Bad 2. Um, but I I don't know. No such thing as bad press, right? You know, especially for this guy. Um Oh, there we go. Yeah. And then being as upfront as I can be, Val Kilmer tweeted this on the 16th of July, 2014. Um, So Val Kilmer tweeted, 
Did you see there's a goofball on Kickstarter that wants to make a sequel to Breaking Bad starring me? Americans are never happy with a good thing. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, that's, you know, fair enough from Val Kilmer. I mean, yes, it, it's that is the correct response to that. Um, this guy tweeted back at him saying, really? Brian Cranston drops crazy Breaking Bad hint in CNN May 2014. And there's a link to a article where I think Brian Cranston implies that Walter White is not dead, even though at this point, I mean, enough time has passed that not only have we had the Better Call Saul TV show, there was, there, you know, <laughs> there has been a literal Breaking Bad sequel. You know, the El Camino was a feature-length film that came out on Netflix that, you know, showed what happens immediately after the final episode of Breaking Bad, which confirms that Walter White is in fact dead at the end of the final episode of Breaking Bad. But this guy, you know, I'll give, I'll give this guy that much. I'll give Mr. Lawrence Shepard that much uh, because this is back in 2014, you know, that hadn't been confirmed yet. But he then goes on to say, also, your agent couldn't, uh, couldn't have emailed me back saying you weren't interested. Instead, you call me a goofball. You don't even know me. Um, and then he, there's another update here the following day where he says, I'm getting a lot of questions about Val Kilmer's tweet. And simply put, him calling me a goofball is what it is. What really pisses me off is that he completely dissed Miss, uh, uh, Miss Jaina Mashoni, who is, uh, she's one of the actress. I think, as far as I can tell, she's the only actress that was, uh, that had agreed to be in this thing. Uh, the only person that had been approached and, uh, had actually agreed to appear in it. Um, I don't know what, presumably she wasn't going to play Val Kilmer's wife because she's just called the actress. <laughs> she's just called the actress that's going to play Val Kilmer's wife elsewhere in the, uh, in the Kickstarter campaign. Um, but he's annoyed that uh, Val Kilmer's response apparently disses um, this woman by tweeting that in the first place. He says here that she has two Grammy nominations, 10 NAMIs, whatever that is. What the fuck is a NAMI? Um, she's performed for President Obama and the First Lady Laura Bush. Her movie, The Dinosaur Experiment, made its money back in three and a half days. Last time I checked, they've doubled their money. She sang in 10 different American and Indian languages on her first Christmas album. She agreed to do the Anastasia pilot, and Val Kilmer wiped his ass with her decision by tweeting that. <laughs> um, secondly, oh, and this is, yeah, this is great. This is this really kind of takes it to the next level of kind of, you know, of uh, a, a particular type of guy um, that, that this guy is. Uh, secondly, his completely negative comment about Americans, <laughs> which is, I mean, Val Kilmer just said Americans aren't happy with a good thing, <laughs> which is fair enough. That is correct. So it's, that's um, almost like something Trump would say. It's yeah. That, that so this guy goes on and say, yeah. I'm a... I'm a veteran and I expect zero special treatment because of it, <laughs> which is That's bullshit. I, Clearly you I do. I never asked for discounts. <laughs> yeah. Why would you have brought that up if you weren't expecting some kind of special treatment? Uh, I do expect another American to respect this country and its citizens. Yes, we Americans do strive to keep going and make this the best country on earth. It's like, I don't think you can apply that to trying to crowdfund a TV show, man. Like That's not like... It's not like you're doing some kind of like environmental activism or something. You're trying to be yes, Americans. We try to be the best we can be, and that includes giving me five hundred thousand dollars to make this pilot for a fucking stupid TV show. 
Um, also, Mr. Kilmer completely wiped his ass with the fact that Anastasia is hiring American combat veterans to play the seven police officers in the pilot. So he's actually di- Val Kilmer's actually disrespecting the troops um, by oh, no. not mm. wanting to be in this guy's TV show. Well, dear, dear. Well, there you go. You, stripped, you slipped up there, didn't you? Uh. Yeah, that's where Val Kilmer fucked up. Um, he should have had the decency and respect for those veterans, many of whom have sacrificed everything by keeping his mouth shut rather than trivialize the project. Enough said. Um, I d- w- why any of that matters or why it would matter to Val Kilmer is beyond me. Uh, and then he... F- then he says Peter Falk in Columbo Tony Shalhoub in Monk Vincent D'Onofrio in Law and Order and now comes Val Kilmer in Anastasia (laughs) it's almost like you you manifest it by just saying it's going to happen and it's like hey it's coming it's coming mm. out uh, later this year yeah it's it's happening don't worry it's we're we're, we're in um, early uh, production right now yeah we're just uh, you know Exactly. Yeah, it's it's like the secret. You're just by putting it out into the world, you're willing it into existence. Um, the next part again is written in italics for some reason. There's no there's no rhyme or reason, but just parts of these updates are written in italics and parts of them aren't. Um, but it's not like again, it's not like the parts in italics are are a quote or a dialogue or a piece of dialogue or anything. Um, Kilmer's incredible talents and personality will make this a mega hit. So he's still determined to get Val Kilmer, even after Val Kilmer's called him a goofball and said that this won't work. Um, Columbo and Monk had an intriguing theme, wherein they both had a unique comedic quirk to their personality. That personality was coupled to a genius detective ability that kept the viewers coming back. Anastasia will carry that tradition on. So this guy wants to not only make a sequel to Breaking Bad, but he also wants it to be a spiritual successor to Columbo and Monk. Um, Both fine I, shows. I he's just, I mean, he's shooting for the moon. You know, he's, I, I, you got to give him that. He's really, you know, he set the bar high. Um, then there's like a pencil drawing of uh, like a Native American person with face paint and feathers on. Not really sure what that is. Um, yeah, I don't know what that refers to. I think I think Val Kilmer is like part Cherokee or something, or he's part Sioux. Like he he is part Native American, which I guess was going to be worked into the show somehow. I don't know. Kilmer and Slash break out in Fearful Symmetry, the pilot for Anastasia, as an elite U.S. Marshals team that tra- okay, so they're not FBI agents; they're U.S. Marshals um, that track down the most elusive and dangerous fugitives that are on the run. But one fugitive has even them baffled, since they first have to answer the question, is he even alive? I gotta believe if they are top US marshals, they'd be able to determine they would be able to determine that fairly quickly. Um Kilmer and Slash Kilmer and Slash have another huge problem. It fucking rules that this guy hasn't even named the characters. Um they are just Kilmer and they're just Val Kilmer and Slash throughout all of this. Um, up, Kilmer and Slash have another huge Slash. problem. Kilmer and Slash uh, that that will become apparent in the opening scene of Fearful Symmetry. There will be regular twelve-step meeting scenes in Anastasia that Kilmer attends. We will invite stars in the entertainment industry who are in recovery themselves. 
<laughs> oh my god so he's got a list of people here again in italics for no reason russell brand jamie lee curtis stephen tyler dick van dyke drew barrymore robert downey jr robin williams oh dear um this is like a month before robin williams killed himself neil young eminem on and on uh these guest appearances on a on separate episode what these will be guest appearances on separate episodes comma and the star would be told that all the dialogue they use will be completely created by them what the f- this guy is writing this guy wants to write a tv show and doesn't just truly doesn't seem to understand how like commas or punctuation or fonts work um I'm confident these appearances will elevate Anastasia to an even higher level of quality and randomness. <laughs> this guy wants a healthy dose of randomness for his Breaking Bad sequel. Um. <laughs> That's what the uh, Breaking Bad was lacking. You know, every now and then. That like- was, yeah. If there was one thing, yeah. If there's one criticism I have of Breaking Bad is that it was it just was nowhere near was random, it random enough. enough for me. Like Walter White every now and then should no. say Bazinga, and then yeah, none of the characters talked about how much they liked you know cheese or uh, <laughs> how much they loved coffee or pizza. You know, like there's I, there's that one there's that one scene where uh, Walt throws the pizza on the roof. That was pretty random. Um, they need to have be like so, family that's guy. That's really the only one I can think of. Need to be like Family Guy, where he should say something like, "I haven't been this uh, XXX since I dot 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 dot," and then you cut quick cut to that yeah, thing I, that he did, and then well, crazy random. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I haven't seen this much meth since, and then you like reference a celebrity that's had like addiction problems or whatever. That's that's yeah, funny. Um, yeah, so this this uh, this was what I just couldn't get out of my head uh, for the last couple of weeks and wanted to talk about on the podcast. You can check it out. I mean, it is the Kickstarter is still up. Um, you just search uh, breaking bad sequel or Anastasia breaking bad sequel. You can look, I mean, it is, it, it goes on and on and on. There's just so much stuff here. This guy is completely committed to making this fucking stupid thing. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, <sighs> The, uh, just another detail that I can't get over is that, like, I think that in the, the, the excerpt from the script that he's posted here, there's one named character, which is Officer Barnes, which I guess is going to be one of the combat veterans. There's no mention of the U.S. Marshals, and there's no mention of, like, the names of... I, I, yeah, I, I cannot... Stress there, there. There is no mention of the names of Slash or Val Kilmer's characters. Uh, we know nothing about who they are actually going to be playing <laughs> in the show, other than the fact that they are U.S. Marshals. They are just referred to throughout the entire thing as Val Kilmer and Slash. Um, who he is Val Kilmer Slash is. Slash. Um, now and then he takes out the yeah, bad guys I mean, it, with, it's, a, with it's his a, guitar that is actually a gun. Yeah, like um, what's that? What's that movie? Yeah, the the uh, that Robert Rodriguez movie where he's got the the guy has the guitar that's actually a gun. Yeah, Slash should totally have that. 
I mean, that is that that's a better idea than pretty much anything that's in here. So it, it's yeah. Anyway, yeah, I do. I I urge you to sort of check this out because it is there's just so much stuff here, and it's all fucking nuts. I mean, under the frequently asked questions section here, he's only got he's got one question. There's just one thing that he's decided to answer. Um, don't you need the rights to Breaking Bad first? I'm getting this question all the time. Rob Thomas did not have any of the rights from Warner Brothers for Veronica Mars before he launched his Kickstarter project. He merely contacted them beforehand and notified them of his intentions exactly the way I did it. I think the difference there is that Rob Thomas created Veronica Mars. <laughs> like it's different if you if like if you're the guy that created the original show. <laughs> it's a slightly different situation than if you're just some dude that's trying to kickstart a sequel to a show that already exists and already has a sequel show in production at that point um but yeah i do do check it out i mean there's just so much stuff on there to read i don't know what this guy is up to now um i mean i hope this didn't put him off i mean you know he i <laughs> yeah, follow he could your dreams. Have had some kind of, you know, like some sort of, yeah, Tommy Wiseau style, um, you know, terrible film project getting made. I, I hope that he's still, I hope that he's still plugging away and trying to get, trying to get something made, even though Anastasia seems to have, uh, you know, fallen down the toilet. Um, I've done a lot of talking on this episode. I think it's probably about time that we uh, we, we wrap it up. Should we do some cultural appropriation? Yeah. And this is the uh, bit of the show where we talk about things that we do like. We spent a lot of time on this episode talking about uh, things that we don't like or things that are silly. Um, but here's some stuff that we enjoy and that you may also enjoy. So, Lawrence, what do you got? <clears throat> okay, this week I would like to just uh, recommend a couple of uh, artist albums that I've been listening to. Uh, first one, I don't know whether I have mentioned him before, but um, Daniel Romano, uh, if whether or not I have uh, mentioned him before. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, he's uh, sort of like one of my favorite, uh, one of my gu- one of my favorite guys right now. He's just man. The man is a genius. Guys, the man is a genius in my view. Music, songwriting, a genius, and uh, that's my personal view. And uh, his uh, his record that came out last year is "How Ill Thy World Is Ordered," and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed. Really enjoyed that. It's sort of. Um, does his own production. It's all very. Um, I, I assume it's all done on like tape machines and things. So he's he's all that very do it yourself, very uh, mm. what they call it, lo-fi. I don't like that term lo-fi, but yes, I suppose yeah. what they call it. But it's all very kind of you know, a mix of psychedelia, sort of very old stuff, like I don't know, sort of very Dylan-esque, if you will, but with a bit of uh, psychedelic stuff or um, mm. just normal uh, yeah, things like. Yeah, even more um sort of punk stuff, very old, very old school. Um, it depends on what record because he, he he's very prolific with his records. But the one I just mm. want to recommend is "How Ill Thy World Is Ordered." And uh, another guy who mm. I'm listening to right now is a guy called uh, Roosevelt. I think he's a, a German, but he does a lot of um kind of very um synth. Uh, dance, dancey music, or very pop music, and uh, his album that came out this year is called uh, Polydance, uh, and uh, I've been listening to that, and I've really enjoyed that album as well. So those are two records that I've been into 
listeners, if you would like to check them out on Spotify, mm. they're, they're there. Yeah. Roosevelt okay. and Daniel Romano. Is he related to Ray Romano at all? That's Ray Romano's son. Oh, I assume. Assuming. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Should get Ray on to do a verse. <laughs> that's that's what he sounds yeah, like. Yeah. Um. Cool. Uh, I'll recommend. Um, I know Daft Punk announced that they they split up last week, and um, no. I'm not. I mean, I'm not. It, it, it seems. It seems redundant to recommend, you know, anything Daft Punk because it's all, I mean, it's all great. It's not like there's, it's not like there's a whole lot of Daft Punk stuff out there. You know, they only made a few albums. They're all great. Just check it. You, you should already know, you know, frankly, you should already know Daft Punk stuff. But uh, if you haven't, I mean, you know, check it out if you haven't. But you should, I, my, my recommendation is a, a different uh, French electronica duo that only put albums out every you know, seven years or so. Um, and it, uh, justice justice put out an album a few years ago called woman, which I was listening to, uh, right before we began recording today. And, uh, I, I'd forgotten that there is some, there's some real bangers on there. Um, so yeah, check out, yeah, check out, uh, woman by justice came out 2016. I know obviously a lot of people love that first cross album, but, uh, yeah, woman has, has got some, uh, got some real bops on it as well. Um, and I'll also recommend, so <laughs> Disney plus have launched their kind of, uh, uh, grown up version of Disney plus. I think it's, it's star or something. Basically all the, all the kind of grown up content that, uh, Disney, Disney own. <laughs> Jiz- exactly. Yes. Um, all of that is now available on, on Disney plus. So all of the, <laughs> All, all of the diehard films except the first one, um, which is <laughs> bizarre. But Die Hard 2, 3, 4, and 5, you can watch on there. I think Deadpool's on there, Family Guy, you know, all of the all the kind of uh, crazy random stuff. Um, one of the things that, that's also on there is the movie Cocktail uh, from the, uh, the 80s with uh, Tom Cruise in it. And I rewatched that. Well, I say I've only seen bits of it, but yeah, I watched it uh, uh, this weekend, just gone. And uh, that movie rules. It's fucking nonsense, um, and tonally, it's kind of all over the place. You know, it sort of wildly shifts from kind of a you know kind of a knockabout comedy about two friends that work in a cocktail bar to being very dark out of nowhere um, right at the end as well. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's it's great fun. It's got a banging soundtrack. Uh, it's brilliantly acted. You got some great performances in there from uh, not just Tom Cruise, but Brian Brown is is great in it. The Australian guy kind of can't understand why he wasn't in more stuff off the back of that movie because um, he's so good in it. But yeah, check out Cocktail. It's 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 silly fun that you don't really have to you know try too hard to uh, to pay attention to. So uh, those are my recommendations: uh, Woman by Justice and uh, Cocktail by Tom Cruise. <laughs> Um, that's about it for this week's episode. Then we, uh, we'll be back soon, hopefully. And if you want to get more stuff from us, more junior funners content, we're on Twitter at junior funners. So follow us on there, follow us individually, um, on Twitter as well. I'm at Ollie Munster. Lawrence is at IB online. Just crossed the, uh, 200 follower yeah. threshold. Is that Woo-hoo. right? Yeah. 
Uh, let's get to 300. Come on. Yo. Yeah. I know it's going to be very tough. Very um, tough. I don't know. Yeah, this is Sparta. I feel like, <laughs> I, feel like I feel like my purple patch is... Uh, I feel like coming off that peak now. And uh, yeah. Coming off that peak. <laughs> yeah, you... <laughs> That'll um, be my next post. Yeah, so follow us on... on that, yeah, you've got to write that down quick before you forget it. Uh, we're on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Spotify as well to make it easier for you uh, dipshits to listen to us. And uh, yeah, okay. Bye.